Assalamualaikum, everyone, and welcome to another edition of MaxCast, the podcast about Muslim leaders and professionals thriving in various domains and speaking on successes and failures. My name is Daniel Sardar, and I will be your host for today's episode. Today's session is very unique and incredibly exciting because this is our first endeavor into the sports industry. Our guest is a unique success story that is sure to inspire our listeners as he continues to carve out his legacy as a Pakistani-Canadian trailblazer in professional sports. So, enter Ursulan Jamil. Born in Pakistan, Ursulan immigrated to Canada with a passion for sports and soon found basketball to be his calling. Ursulan played for the Ryerson Rams men's basketball team and graduated with a degree in computer engineering. After a few years of working in IT, Ursulan finally got his breakthrough by landing a position with Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, where eventually he was hired to be the Toronto Raptors executive assistant to the president, Masai Ujiri. Over the next five years, Ursulan worked closely with Masai, the front office, and the basketball operations department. With his newfound experience and desire to get more involved in the game, he became an assistant coach with the NBA G League team, Raptors 905 which is the minor league affiliate of the Toronto Raptors. Now, in his third year as a professional coach, Arsalan works closely with players throughout the season and helps them in their development. Arsalan is also a coach for Giants of Africa, a not-for-profit organization founded by Masai Ujiri, which uses basketball as a tool to educate and enrich the lives of African youth. In his spare time, Arsalan loves to run coaching camps in Canada and multiple countries across Africa. So, with that said, Arsalan, welcome to MaxCast. Uh, how you doing, man? Nice. To, uh, nice. Thanks for having me. I really, really appreciate it. It's my first time doing it, um, so I hope it will be fun. Oh, we're 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 gonna have fun talking hoops. Uh, I, I hear you're in Chicago right now. What's what's the weather like in Chicago, and and what are you doing there? Yeah, I'm in Chicago right now just with the team. Um, we're on the road. We have a couple of games. Uh, we just made a stop in Chicago. It's actually pretty cold over here. It's my first time here, and uh, my first uh, kind of like read for the city is, is very similar, very much like Toronto. It almost feels like I'm in Toronto downtown right now. So, Absolutely, and we wish you all the best with the 905s this season as well, Arsenal. Did you have a favorite basketball player growing up? I kind of want to say Allen Iverson, but I could be wrong. <laughs> you got that right on the nose, man. I, 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 meant, I meant to mention that, too. Uh, Allen Iverson and the Sixers were actually playing Raptors at the time. That's like kind of where I got into basketball. Um, and I think this is the game where Iverson scored 54 points. And I remember watching that in my basement. And from that point on, like, I think that's like, Allen Iverson basically was like the reason why I started taking basketball more seriously at the time. I wanted his jersey. I just loved the, the fact that he was like this little guy just, you know, like killing everybody on the floor. And I'm an undersized basketball player my whole life. I've been overlooked because of that. And I think for me, that was um, the reason why. So, yeah, Allen Iverson, you know, I always tell people he's my favorite player ever. So that's where it started. That's that's awesome. That's, and I think you might have been talking about the game when Vince Carter missed the uh, the three point at the end. 
Uh, I'm not sure, but that was a tough series to watch. <laughs> yeah, yes, that was game seven when you missed that shot. That's right, that's right. Cool. So we established your love for basketball. Fast forward, you go to Ryerson University, and you really, really want to make the basketball team. But you're undersized for a point guard. So you try, you get cut. You try again, you get cut. And then I think the fourth time you tried out and you made the team. So my question is, you know, what motivated you to keep trying over and over again? Uh, and, and where did that come from that eventually I will make the team? Um, so I'll be honest. I actually never thought I was going to make the team. Um, but every time I got cut, for some reason, it was very disappointing. Um, but I just spent so much time playing basketball, man. Like every day I'd go to school between classes, before school, whatever the case is. Anytime I got a chance to go to the gym at Ryerson, I did, you know. And um, when the tryouts would come around, it's not something I prepared for in the summer. I just spent my days playing basketball. And I think I was getting better because I, you know, was making friends that were way better than me. So I think as a basketball player, I was always growing. But whenever the tryouts would come around, I'd be just in the gym, just playing. And then, you know, a couple of guys would come by and say, yo, I'm going to the tryouts. Uh, you know, they actually were planning to go to the tryouts the whole time. And on the day of, I would be like, yeah, I'm going. And that's kind of how I ended up at the tryouts most of the times. Um, but every time I would get cut, it was just very discouraging. I just remember that feeling. Uh, and then obviously I just wasn't good enough. That was really the main reason I would, keep, I would keep getting cut. And it's very, very hard to make teams two tryouts. You have to have some luck. Um, but the thing with me was I actually just accepted that, okay, it's not something that's going to happen because coaches bring in their recruits every year. That's just how the system is. I'm like, there's no way. And plus, I wasn't that good. You know, that's the truth. But at the time, I didn't believe that. Obviously, I thought I was good enough in my head somewhere. But it was not like something I was chasing. It's just something I I would go to the trials just to see how much better I've gotten. And I think every year I kept getting better. You know, I went from getting cut the first day to getting cut the second day of trials and then the third day of trials. And then even the, the year that I made the team, I thought I got cut because they never announced my name at the end of the day and they didn't announce anybody's name. So I just assumed because I was so used to getting cut that, you know, I got cut. And then I went up about my day uh, the next few days. I you know, went back to work. I was working at the time for Celestica and I was just I still remember I was on the subway. Uh, I think I was coming back to Ryerson from work and I had my basketball stuff with me and I bumped into one of the assistant coaches, Michael Kennedy, who was who like one of my you know mentors. Uh, that I, you know, built a relationship with over time, he, he he bumped into me. And at the time, obviously, we didn't have cell phones and all these things. Like, you don't, you can't really get a hold of me. Maybe, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was kind of like that. Uh, but he bumped into me. He's like, yo, what are you doing, bro, kid? Like, where have you been? Like, like, what do you mean, where have I been? He's like, we never cut you yet. I'm like, really? I'm like, all right, cool. He's like, okay, come to the practice. Come to practice the next day. I showed up. And then... You know, we, we I became part of that. I, I still didn't make the team, but I became part of their practices in the summer. Um, and next thing you know, one day the head coach calls me in into his office and goes, hey, uh, uh, what 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 size shoes do you wear? And that's when it hit me. I'm like, oh, shoot, is he actually picking me for the team? And then I remember, you know, just from that point on, I made the team and I was not ready for that. I, it's not something I you know planned for. I was working. It was my graduating year from Ryerson. You know, I went to school for, you know, 
obviously to finish my education and go work. So it was my graduating year and I'm like, there was so much going on, but I still didn't say no. I quit my job. I'm like, okay, I want to really experience this now. Uh, I think I always wanted to experience the feeling of organized team or organized environment. You know, it's something I always looked at from the outside, even cricket. Like I always wanted to know what it feels like to be part of a team where you have a coach and you have practices and you have games. I had never experienced it, experienced that. I just played street sports my whole life. You know what I mean? So that was my like first opportunity to like decide that, Hey, this is something I can actually experience. And that's how I ended up making the team. But the lucky part with that was there were recruits that were supposed to come that decided to go back to school. Uh, at the time, I think you could go back to OAC. Uh, and those kids decided to go back to school, which allowed the coach to give me a chance. And because he had seen me come like every single year, the couple of years before, he's like, hey, he has improved a little bit. Let's, you know, he works hard. That was kind of my thing. I worked hard uh, and he, you know, gave me a spot on the team. And that's how I ended up making the team, which was, you know, one of the the highlights of my, my sports experience, you know, as, as a human being. So it was cool. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for sharing that that backstory. And, you know, Something you said that I really, really admire is when you got asked about your basketball shoe size and when you saw the jersey with your name on it for the first time, how did that feel? Did it validate all the years of hard work, of persevering to finally get to what you wanted? It must have felt pretty good, right? Yeah, that felt really, really good, man. Um yeah, just to see your number on the jersey and the shoes, and then next thing you know, you have practices and you have a schedule all of a sudden. And um, it's almost like I always say, man, like, you know, in my life, like things have always happened that I didn't even expect, you know, like uh, I'm, I'm just lucky, you know, and that was one of the one of the um, moments where I was like, man, like I was pinching myself, I'm like, whoa, like. I get to be on the team. I used to be the guy looking from the outside and like watching games. And I had a couple of friends on the team and, you know, just the response you get from all the people that you played with that try it out and didn't make it. And you get to be the guy that makes it. And there's pe people that are happy for you. And there's people that are like, why, like, how did he do it? How did he make it? Like people didn't believe at the same time. So all those things made me feel really, really good, you know, but it was, I was just happy to be able to, you know, my mindset has always been the same is to just get better and better at the game. You know, even now I forget where I am, you know, sometimes and I have to like remind myself, you know, but my mindset is the same is to learn basketball. And I continue to to do that as long as I'm around it, you know, so. But yeah, that was really cool to see, you know, I, my number zero at the time, because I said I, I think I, I don't know why I picked number zero, but I think it was probably because I felt that there's a lot of people that think that I shouldn't be there. So I just picked number zero, you know, so it's cool. Very interesting choice of number. I, I respect that. Okay, so let's fast forward. Okay, you've done school. You've had a taste for uh, basketball uh, at the university level anyway. You, you get your first break by getting a job at Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, uh, which is the parent company of the Toronto Raptors and the Raptors 905. So talk to me about that experience, and and this was really a pivotal moment for you, Ursulan, because you went from an IT-focused role to an executive assistant role with Masai Ujiri. Now this is just amazing because you know it's Masai Ujiri. So tell me how that relationship sparked, and and how that role came about for you. Man, that's another crazy 
crazy moment of my life right there. You know, like that's, uh, I did not see that coming, you know, before Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment, like I was working in the IT industry because those are the jobs I was able to land after I left Ryerson. Um, and, you know, like I had a full-time job uh, in IT, you know, in different companies, you know, this is before MLSE. And I remember, you know, taking on another IT gig because the money was good, but it was a contract. So I was going to go from full-time job to a contract job, right? Where you're not guaranteed if the contract's going to renew. But at the time, I wanted to make more money. You know, that was kind of my mindset. And I said, hey, full-time is secure and all that, but I'm going to take this six-month gig that I'm getting at Scotia Bank at the time uh, just to make more money, you know? Um, so a lot of people, I think, in my shoes probably wouldn't leave a full-time job that is guaranteed for the next 10 years or whatever. It's just more secure, uh, but I did, you know? The, so that's kind of like the same thing with Ryerson. You know, when I finished my first year playing at Ryerson, I decided to go back to school and I enrolled myself into another program just because I wanted to play a couple more years, knowing that I'm not gonna play a lot, knowing that I'm probably not gonna go far with like playing on the Ryerson team, but I just wanted to experience that. And a lot of people, including my family at the time, said, don't do it, you know, you're making the wrong decision. The same thing with this IT gig, you know, like I, I had a full-time job, I left it. But because I left it, I went to the contract job and then the contract job did not renew me because they figured out I wasn't that good at the job. Um, so that allowed me to go back to my couch at home. I remember December 2012, I had nothing going on. I had no jobs, uh, you know, no leads, nothing. And I'm looking for a job now, you know. So now you think about the full-time job that you left for that six-month gig, but now you don't have a job. But because I made that decision, you know, it put me in a space where I have to now figure out how to get a new job. And long story short, you know, I built relationship with different agencies and, you know, this lady named uh, Jeanette, Jeanette Lamb, God bless her. You know, she called me and said, hey, MLSC is looking for a two-week contract in their IT department. And um, I took it. I, you know, I didn't even think twice about it. I didn't care how much they pay or whatever. I'm like, yes, I want to do it. I'm going for it. Um, I end up there, you know, start working for two weeks. And literally, I went and changed people's monitors, you know, like... <laughs> Like everybody. That, that's what I envision an IT guy doing, by the way, changing monitors and helping you with yeah. your startup issues. <laughs> exactly. You know, like I went to school for something a lot more high level, but I, you know, I'm here now changing computer screens and doing all this little work. It was like little projects. That's what they needed help with. It was almost like a cleanup job, you know, for their IT department because they had a lot going on. And then those two weeks turned into another two weeks, into another two weeks. And next thing you know, somebody in the IT department gets fired, right? And now they look at me and they say, okay, he can do this particular job. And they move somebody up and somehow, some way, they extended me until the end of season. In MLSC, everything works by seasons, right? So my contract got extended to the end of the season for the Leafs or Raptors, however you want to, to um, label it. And my job at the time was basically providing IT support during all events, such as Raptor games, Leafs games, concerts. So I was not like the regular help desk guy. I was only specifically providing support to the teams and any, any events that took place at the time. And in that time, obviously, things changed with the Raptors management. Masai was hired. Um, 
and you know like i still don't know till this day you know what happened but uh you know like in simple terms all i can say is i you know cross paths with him um uh, you know during my time there when he first got hired i did not know him he did not know me like we didn't know each other um and you know like again in in the most simple words you know I, all i can say is i got handpicked for the job to be his executive assistant and until this day i don't know what happened in between all i know is because he had worked with the raptors before he came back he had relationships with you know a lot of people in the organization and one of those people happened to be the vp of it uh you know in the department that i was working uh, sasha his name is sasha and sasha knew that i like basketball but i don't know what happened how it all came together all i know is i got handpicked for the job and i was asked if you know if this is something i want to do and i'm like anybody in my shoes is not going to say no so i quickly jumped ships and next thing you know i was working with masai you know so that's kind of how it happened you know that so, is unbelievable I, i i don't even know if luck works like that it's almost like doors are opening for you that you never even thought about is is that an understatement <laughs> man i'm just I, that's what i'm saying you know i'm blessed like even coming to canada i always say was one of the biggest blessings because i grew up around people trying their hardest to go move to america move to canada move to these kind of places in the world but for some reason god chose me and my family to come here you know even that is a small thing but it's a big deal for a lot of people from where we come from you know what i mean so and you know getting that gig with masai was another you know blessing you know obviously like i believe that what you do when nobody's watching is it it, it adds up Absolutely. you know and with that all i think you know like you can take everything away from me i'm probably going to still be the same towards the game of basketball you know i think my passion doesn't change and i think sometimes that is what finds you luck somewhere you know because somebody is watching you know even when you think nobody's watching somebody is right and all it takes is one person to take notice uh and you know things can change drastically you know what i mean so um yeah that's how i ended up with him man and you know i'm 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 lucky that i know somebody like him you know that that's extremely motivational arslan and let's let's talk about masai if it's okay with you for just one second you know here in toronto he's like this mythical sports executive in a city that's starved for championships you know he was the one who was able to deliver you need to think back to the leafs since 67 they haven't won you think back to the blue jays since 93 they haven't come close to win the the world series but then the raptors he delivered what is it about him that makes him such a successful executive in your opinion well he works very very hard you know i've seen that up close um and he always says you know sports is about winning you know you have to you have to win so he has this winning mentality with everything that he does whether it's on the court off the court um and and he's very very consistent with it he leads by example he's he's a very obviously everybody knows him as a leader and he really is and he's a leader by example um and then outside of that you know like one thing i learned from him was you know like you got to treat people well you know you got to 
you know, you know, I think that goes a long way. And, you know, you know, he is somebody that's a very good example of that. You know, I, I've seen it up close, you know, like I always say, he's bigger. He's more than just a NBA executive. You know, he is somebody that, um, that really, really treats people well, you know, and uh, I think that also, you know, goes along with everything that he has accomplished. And I think sometimes uh, goes unnoticed, but, you know, like people always ask me, you know, how is he like, you know, I'm like, any, he's exactly what you see, you know, on TV. He's exactly that, you know, he's this down to earth, you know, um, human being who's really, really, you know, like, good to people but at the same time he has this drive to like accomplish his goals whether it's winning a championship or building a program or you know helping giants of africa grow or help the youth in africa grow you know that is like exactly who he is you know so um yeah so i think that's what makes him and, and he's really good at what he does which is basketball you know whether it's scouting talent or putting a team together that's what his specialty is, but there's so much more to it outside of that, you know? So, um, yeah, I'm not surprised, you know, it's, it's a lot of work that, you know, he puts in a lot of work. It's not easy. Not everybody can do that. Absolutely. And we're extremely grateful to have him as our chief executive as well. So, okay, let's, let's turn the focus back to you and, you know, you're an executive assistant. You've done that for a few years. You've gotten a good taste for professional basketball but your true calling in life is still being more involved with the sport in a coaching role, perhaps. So tell me how this led to the, the assistant coach role that you currently have with the Raptors 905. Um, so as my, my, my gig with uh, my first gig with the Raps was, you know, my step into the door kind of, and as I was going, and going and going, I started to observe other departments and I started to like pay attention because, you know, like it's a conversation that I had with, you know, with, um, with myself even, you know, like just to, to figure out what is it that I want to do? How do I grow within basketball? And the only thing that would come back to me, you know, was my own time that I spent as a basketball player, which was just the idea of improving your skill, improving as a basketball player, just being getting better at basketball. And what it narrowed down to for me was player development. You know, that's something that intrigued me a lot in my time that I was working there. And, um, you know, uh, that's, and then I ended up in Africa my first time uh, with Giants of Africa. Um, and, you know, it was my first camp. I was just helping out um, and I ended up uh, coaching one of the teams and I think that's where it kind of hit me I'm like I don't know if I'm going to do this at a high level maybe a pro level for a long time but it is something I enjoy you know I really enjoy working with kids I enjoy as I'm growing older I enjoy working with young people um, and basketball is a great tool to connect with them you know so player development was like the area that intrigued me and I think I um, I expressed my interest uh, to the right people, I let them know, and you know, uh, from there, Jama Mahalalela at the time became the head coach of the Raptors 905, and he is somebody that I kind of built a relationship with. Right, everything goes back to relationships and people, how people think about you, do they trust you, do they feel comfortable with you, and um, you know, obviously, I was in the right place at the right time, and um, you know, Jama said, Hey, you know, like, 
I have I have a I have a role for you. You can come in and because he knew that I wanted to grow, uh, you know, on the coaching side of things or learn or at least you know like give it a shot. And he basically gave me that opportunity, which is not easy to get, you know, at this level because there's a million people knocking at the door that are way more competent than somebody like me, you know. So. I disagree. I, I think you you have an eye for this, and I, I think you're absolutely there for a reason. But I do appreciate the humility. I I think it shows in the kind of person that you are, and you know it it's like it's amazing actually in a short span of time how much you've achieved, and now you're working as an assistant coach. Um, I just want to elaborate on that for just one second. Um, you know when you're working with so many young players at the G League level. I'm sure a lot of them, their goal is to make it to the next level, which is the NBA. What, in your opinion, as a player development specialist, is the biggest uh, transition that G League players need to make to really excel or even make it to the NBA? Is it just one thing or is it a couple of things they really need to work on? Um, I think um, my answer for this comes from... Uh, you know, like some of the coaches that I've worked with because they have worked with a lot of high-level uh, players for a long time. Uh, and I think in summary from that, I can easily say a lot of the players that we are around at the G League level, if you go back a few years, the colleges that they played at, the high schools that they played at, they were like the star players. They're some of the best players from where they come from, but now they're in a space where they're all like the same, you know, and now they have to figure out how to make it to the NBA. And if, if they do make it to the NBA, you know, they're not going to be getting a lot of minutes at the NBA level. You know, they may come in for five, seven minutes a game or 10 minutes a game, whatever the case is. They have a role to play. Some of them might not even get to crack any minutes at that level. So getting them to understand that can be something that can be a, a little bit of a transition for them because they're not used to that. They're used to having the ball in their hand. They're used to scoring a lot. They're, you know, they're used to having all of that. So to, to help them understand that, I think um, the ones that figure that out usually figure out a way. But the window is so small, you know, and these guys are young. They're very young. You know, they, they have their um, perceptions of who they are and who they're going to become. Um, but I think the challenge is that getting them to understand that, hey, you're in the G League. Yes, we get you did this, but now you got to you know, fine tune your skill level, find a niche, you know, whether it's shooting or whether it's defending or whether it's rebounding, and then do that at the highest level and do it consistently. And maybe that will get you a 10 day contract sure. or something at this level. And then you get your opportunity and you're not gonna be the man, you know? So a lot of guys come into the G League thinking they have to drop 40 points a game to get noticed. And that's not usually the case, so. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. So as, as a coach then, Ursulan, what do you consider success for yourself? Uh, if a player gets that 10-day contract or if a player improves their shooting from X percentage to another, you know, as an individual, just somebody who likes to self-assess, what do you consider success for yourself? I think winning, for sure, being part of a winning program, I think that's important. doesn't matter what type of situation you're in. G League is known for developing players and, you know, players that come from the big teams, the affiliates, which is, we all understand that. Every team is dealing with that. You know, I, I think uh, there's a lot of 
uh, player movement. Uh, you know, there's players leaving, there's players coming in, there's, you know, you're dealing with new players every year. There's a brand new set of roster. But I think create, being part of a winning basketball system that works regardless of what kind of players come in, uh, I think to me is one way I look at success, which is winning games, no matter what the situation is, figuring it out. Uh, seeing players do well, you know, obviously making it to the NBA. If not the NBA, maybe they go overseas. Uh, seeing them improve a skill or seeing them even like uh, notice you and say, hey, you know, uh, Daniel, you were part of my development. Them just even acknowledging that, I think that's something that feels good. Um, but just to see them, you know, like make more money or go play for better teams, it doesn't have to be the NBA. Uh, just seeing them progress as a basketball player for sure, you know, is success to me. I think it, it feels good to see that especially when you build relationships with these guys, you know, like you, when you spend time with these guys, it's more than just basketball, you know, and you just get to see other side, more things about them that brings you together. You know, to me, that's the special part. And that goes not just with players, but just people generally, you know, like this is our livelihood. We spend 40 hours, 60 hours a week doing this and you just build bigger relationships out of that. So building those relationships to me, I think is also a success, you know, and obviously like, um, you know, hopefully when we win a championship, uh, you know, that's to me is like, you know, the goal. Ultimate at the end of the goal. Day, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, should be the, that should be the goal for anybody really and truly. Now you sound just like Masai. Winning trumps everything. I, I see what he sees in you then. Uh, I, th this is an interesting uh, question that I have for you. A, a lot of players in the G League consider every game to be quote unquote like a tryout. You never know who's going to notice you when you might get called up or when, you know, when opportunity arises. Is there like tryouts for assistant coaches as well? Like it, it, do executives often go to these G League games and say, hey, that assistant coach has potential to be at the NBA level, right? Maybe keep an eye on him. Does that happen at all with assistant coaches? I'm just curious. Yes, for sure. hundred percent. I think, I think. For, for staff even, you know, the staff in the G League, their goal is to do the same thing they're doing at, at the next level, right? Everybody here, their first goal, I think, is to go to the NBA, I think, you know? And there's a lot of scouts, there's a lot of people around, there's people watching not, when they're not even here. Um, you know, those guys, they're, they're experts at what they do, you know, and, you know, they know how to hunt talent, they know how to, you know what I mean? They, everybody, I think everybody is, you know, being, being washed, you know, and, but that's not something I get into. I actually don't care. Um, I, I don't get in, I don't get caught up in that. I don't really have an agenda Sure, is what I'm trying to say. I, I'm still at a phase in my life where I'm trying to figure out what my why is, you know, like, why do I do what I do? You know, I know I enjoy being around the game of basketball, uh, but I'm still trying to figure that out. So I don't get caught up in, Hey, I got to impress this person or impress that person. That's not how I'm wired. I never was that way, um, but I do believe in like, you know, like being honest with what you do, with your work, try to do it the right way. So uh, I think if you do that over and over and over again, good things happen. Interesting. That's very interesting. Um, so if I was to ask you five years from now, Ursulan, where do you see yourself? Um, do you have any idea? Have you given it some thought? Maybe it's who knows? It could be at the NCAA level. It could be at the NBA. It could be right where you are. Do you do you kind of have a, a roadmap in mind for where you want your career headed? Unfortunately, I don't. 
you know, and that's something I've always struggled with in my life. Because if you had asked me, hey, Arslan, like if you had asked me 10 years ago where I would be, I wouldn't say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be in the NBA. You know, like it was not even part of my plan. You know, at the time when I was jumping around companies, I was trying to figure out a gig that I, you know, that I like in that industry. I had no idea, you know, so because of like things going, you know, like, like me, like ending up in this industry that I'm in, that I've been in for the last nine years, like because of these type of things that keep happening with me, I don't really have a five year plan, but I, I if I'm going to continue in this industry, like in, in five years, I would love, I, I expect myself to be 10 times better as a coach than where I am right now. To me, that's kind of like what I'm working towards. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. Like I can't be in the same, I, I don't want to get stagnant. Yep. I want to make that improvement. And I think I have for as long as I've been here because I'm constantly learning all the time. You know, like whenever I'm around the game of basketball, I feel like I get better as a coach. You know, I'm listening to other coaches or, you know, have, you know, just observing. I'm constantly growing. That's, that I love about my day-to-day -day is that I think I'm getting better all the time. You know, and I, I, I intentionally want to get better. So I think five years from now, for me, I think it's important that I'm not in the same space. You know, I, I better be a lot better, you know, that's, and that's an expectation. And that's not just basketball, it's everything else. Just as a leader, as a human being, as a family person, um, as a business person, I, you know, I, I do see myself working for myself one day, you know, those type of like getting closer to those things that I feel within me uh, that I have a vision for, I think, you know, so, um, uh, yeah, to, to, uh, to answer your question, no, I don't have a five-year plan. Um, but I do, I do agree with a very interesting point you made about evolving, always evolving. And, and you know, this, like the, the, the offenses and the defenses are getting so complex now at the highest level. If you're not evolving and, and find out, finding out ways to be more innovative, you know, you become a dinosaur in a very fast-paced game. So I think you're definitely on the right, you know, track with, with your mindset there. Um, one more thing I picked up when, when, you know, I was doing some research on you. Uh, you, you recently became an assistant coach uh, with the Guelph Nighthawks of the Canadian Elite Basketball uh, League. Uh, for our listeners who don't know, the, the CEBL is the acronym. Uh, they're a, a Canadian professional basketball league, I believe in their second or third year of operations. And, and Ruslan, maybe you can tell us a, a bit about, you know, that experience, uh, you know, and, and what differences you've noted uh, from like a G League product to like a CEBL product. Yeah, CEBL is actually a great league. It's a great uh, way for players to, uh, you know, come in in the summer. It's a summer league, basically, at this point. I'm not sure where they're going, where the league is going in the future, but uh, it's in the summer. It's a great opportunity for a lot of players to come in, make some money, and um, obviously, like, um, you know, gain some game experience. Um, and also for Canadian Canadian players specifically, I think it's a great, great uh you know um venue because you know it is something that um there's a lot of really good canadian basketball players that have to go overseas to play and find jobs you know well now they have something right here at home 
um, and is growing. I think they have added two more teams, uh, Montreal and Scarborough Shooting Stars. Um, and for me, like it's been a great uh, place to go and apply so many things that I've learned at the 905 level. Um, and, you know, I have a senior role uh, with Guelph, so I'm able to do more and actually experience uh, drills that I never have experienced uh, or I've only observed things that I've observed that I get, I get to implement. You know, it's one thing to like be in the room and it's another thing to actually lead a conversation. You know what I mean? So I get those reps, uh, you know, at, at, at Guelph, uh, you know, and obviously uh, the head coach there, Charles, Charles Kissy, I met him through my work at 905, you know, and he's one of my friends, you know, he's one of my mentors. And again, it goes back to relationships. You know, people give you an opportunity, people give you a chance, and it comes from your relationships with them, you know? So he gave me a great opportunity to be there. He lets me do a lot of things. And for me, like, it's a scary feeling, you know? Like I haven't never stood up in front of players and done a scouting report or things like that. So I get to experiment those things there and kind of like face my fears that I have uh, there. So it's a really, really good opportunity, not just for players, even for staffs to go and experience. Um, and as far as talent goes, there's a lot of actually G League players that that played last year. There's, you know, a bunch of players that were in the league last year. They played in the G League this year. Um, and we had a couple of them uh, on our team. And I think that the league is growing. They have done a really, really good job of like, you know, marketing it and just like overall just running it. I think it's it's, it's going in a good direction. Um, and it's a great place to, to, to uh, grow as, as a as a player and as a as, as a coach or anything that you're doing, like whether you're a video coordinator or you're the you're the Instagram content person, like you know it's 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 slowly growing, and I think um, you know I won't be surprised if it becomes like a if it becomes more than just a summer league. There, there are some very interesting points you you mentioned in there, Ursulan, and uh, you know my understanding is CEBL really is like a showcase of Canadian talent. You know, like to give them, a, you know, a platform to, to you know, you know, get their names out there and hopefully get, you know, some 10 day contracts with NBA teams, which has happened. Absolutely. It's happened. Um, so in your experience working with G League, where a lot of the players might be, you know, NCAA athletes or, you know, European players uh, to working with more Canadian focused talent, do you feel like we're bridging the gap? Because I know Canada is a fast-rising basketball program, uh, but in your opinion, do, do you see like the talent, the, the young emerging talent that, that's really uh, closing the gap between you know the U.S. And, and Canada, or at least getting closer? I think it's a slow process, but it's going in that direction. I think there is obviously more players in the NBA. Even if you look at the national team, there's better players. Um, even like if you look around, like. The, the the U sports level, I think, you know, players have grown there. Um, and with all the resources we have nowadays, you know, like a lot of players are able to like get so much knowledge from the internet. Like, you know, there's just so much more available. Um, but as far as budgets go, I think that sometimes is the limiting factor uh, when it comes to Canada and the US. You know, I think sometimes that's the difference. Um, the facilities and all those resources that they have over there, I think they have been there longer and their programs have been running longer. So it is a slow process, but I think it's gonna continue to grow uh, as we go, especially with leagues like CEBL, you know, having that at home. So I think, yeah, it's, 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 it's a slow process, but it's 
it's going in a in a very good direction. Okay, now that's wonderful to hear. And I guess that's one of the ways you know you keep you know developing as a coach as well. Um, which you know kind of leads me to the question: you know, players they work on shooting, rebounding, whatever have you. How does a professional coach improve their skill set? How, how do they develop? What kind of opportunities do they seek to become better? Like 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 you, you want to be better every single day. So, do you talk to other coaches? How do you improve? Yeah, you gotta have you gotta talk to other coaches. Obviously, you work with coaches you learn from. Uh, so, a lot of conversations for sure. A big part of coaching is watching mm. film. You know, a big part of pro basketball is watching film. You know, the the high level players, that's what they do. You know, like they. It's not just the on-court stuff. It's, you know, off the court, they're watching a lot of film. That's the best way to study um, the game of basketball. So watching film, uh, you know, like all kinds of film, you know, whether it's G League, NBA, NCAA, WNBA, Europe, um, you know, because the ball bounces the same way, but there's so many different things you can learn from the systems that are um, – that are being executed everywhere around the world. So I would say that's a big piece of it. And obviously there is, you know, other ways, you know, like uh, going and watching practices of other coaches or going to coaches clinics, uh, you know. Um, and then outside of that, like for me, uh, player development has been like my main area that I've spent most of my time in. Uh, this year, actually, I got to grow more um, as a video, like I was the, Along with my previous responsibilities, I've been, I've added, you know, I, 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 I was also the video coordinator uh, for our Raptors 9 to 5 team this year. I am that this year, uh, which has also allowed me to see the game from a different uh, perspective because I'm here in film sessions and our coaches are, you know, running film, they're stopping film, they're teaching through film, and I'm the guy that's stopping film for them and, and then listening to them because I have to listen to what they're saying. I have to be in sync with them. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a critical. I'm a critical piece to their presentations, so I have to listen. And with all the listening, I'm getting better, and I'm learning. Okay, this is something I gotta start doing, or this is how I gotta start viewing the game. Um, but as far as player development goes, like, you know, the best way to learn is by actually getting in the gym, finding players. You know, I found players locally um, that you know I built relationships with local pros. Um, and during all of COVID, I had a gym, you know, and uh, even if things were shut down on the on the G League side, I was in the gym just working with some of the players. I told them, hey, just come to the gym. I'm not going to charge you anything. Let's let's get better. You want to get better at as a basketball player. I want to get better as a coach. So that's the best way is to get real, real reps. Um, and then you bring that together with the video side of it. You know, that's like kind of like a complete package, you know, for the pro coaches, I think that's what separates sure. pro sports from, you know, the other other levels of basketball is the detail. So, um, yeah, there's many ways to get better, really and truly. It really comes down to you and how much work you're willing to put in because it can be a lot sometimes. Um, so this kind of leads to a very obvious question, Ursulan. The G League, the CEBL, video coordinator, you got so much going on for yourself how do you make time for for personal stuff or do you feel like you're sacrificing that part of your life to really follow a dream or do you feel like you found a balance i would love to hear your your perspective on that 
Um, you know, my head coach Patrick Mutombo always says, man, this is this is not for everybody. You know, this 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 level of basketball and the job, the travel, everything that comes along with it, the preparation, the time you've spent away from your families and stuff like that. It's not for everybody. And like I mentioned earlier in the conversation, I'm still trying to figure out my I'm in a phase of my life where I'm still trying to figure out my why and what's very important to me, what's not very important to me. Um, and I'm not going to lie, you know, like being able to balance the personal side of things have been kind of like a struggle for me. Um, and I'm trying to figure that out too. So uh, I don't know, I don't have an answer to your question yet, but it is something that I'm working on and trying to, uh, you know, get, get to the bottom of. Absolutely. Sometimes they say it's a, it's a labor of love. You're doing it because you're passionate about it. And it's very obvious to us that you're extremely passionate about this. We're almost done here, Ursulan. Um, you know, I, I look back at the conversation we just had, and I am in awe of the highs and the lows you've kind of gone through. And, you know, being a minority, you know, you know, like you mentioned, a Pakistani immigrant, there's lots of people out there, Ursulan, like yourselves, that are trying to break it into the professional game, but they can't find that door. They just, they need some pushing. What message would you like to give to those individuals that are, are struggling right now uh, and, and they just need some motivation to keep going? What would you like to say to them? Um, so they're specifically looking for the pro or it, it, could it, it could be, it could be, you know, at the pro level, it could be at the college level. It could just be, you know, they're, they're very close to realizing their dream, but they keep getting knocked down. What advice would you have? Um, the truth is there's a million people knocking on the door and there's not many jobs of these type. Um, if this is something they really, really want to do, they have to continue to find ways to do it. If it's not at the level that you want it to be, go and coach young kids, go and coach a high school team, go and help in a different gig. Like you don't have to be a head coach to start. You might have to start as the equipment guy or whatever the case is, you know, you have to take on a small job. You got to find a way to, you know, like, I know a lot of people are willing to volunteer and Ray, 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 like you really have to like, I think like I've come across many people that say they want to do it, but they don't want to do what it takes to do it, you know? So I think you got to look at yourself and be honest with yourself. Am I really willing to do the little things? You know, there's a lot of people that, you know, like you're, you have to have a, a clean mindset, you know, like it's not about the status. You know, if you really care about the game of basketball, go and do a camp yourself, you know, go and spend some money or if you want to do it, go and rent a gym, get the kids in your community and do some, if you really, really care. You know, there's many ways to create, uh, you know, uh, um, awareness about how good you are if you're really good at what you do, you know, and uh, it's not easy to get into the pro level, but I, you know, if I was them and I really wanted to be in basketball, I probably would have no problem going and helping a high school team or, you know, again, like working with kids in my community. Like that's something I do anyways, outside of what I do. I work with kids in my community and try to do clinics and stuff like that. And I actually enjoy doing that, you know, but I know it's not easy. Um, uh, you know, try and go attend events, you know, like if you know there's events where there's going to be, uh, you know, uh, the personnel that makes decisions about these type of gigs, 
and they're going to be present there. Hey, go and buy a ticket. Go to those parties. Go to those uh, clinics, whatever it may be. You know, like find a way and go spark a conversation. Um, and if it doesn't work, then go again the next year. And the next year, it's kind of like trying out. You know, you try out every year, and they're gonna just look at you and say, "Oh, this person shows up every year or every." You know what I'm saying? And eventually, somebody. All you need is one person. You know, like I always look at our lives and as people, we're like all like salespeople. We're all trying to sell ourselves to the world and everybody's saying no, everybody's saying no, everybody's, all you need is one person to subscribe. That's all you need, you know? And I'm pretty sure, you know, if you keep persistent, somebody is going to give you a shot, you know? Like all these people that are decision makers, you know, they have so many staff changes, so many things happening. And sometimes, you know, you, you can catch a break and things can change. Wow, that was, uh, you basically laid out the blueprint of you know how to get noticed and, and how to really persevere and break through and uh, that was amazing man um, that kind of concludes the questions that I had but you know I I want to thank you Arslan for for sharing your your wisdom for sharing your experiences and I truly believe and I truly mean it when I say that you are a trailblazer you know at a time when we're trying to get more diversity in the pro game you know it doesn't have to be pakistani it could be any minority at a time when that's so uh, severely needed i feel like you're setting a great path for a lot of these individuals and i want to thank you for taking the time you're in chicago you're in your hotel room and uh, th this means so much to us so uh, thank you so much and we wish you continued success not just in, in your career, but also the Raptors 905 as they uh, finish up the regular season, Arslan. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. And for all the minorities out there, honestly, like I know it's not easy, you know, like um, the way it is, the way I look at it is eventually there's going to be a brown NBA player that's going to be really, really good or a minority NBA player. There already has been some, but I'm talking about I always tell people in the, you know, people that I work with, I tell them there's somebody coming, you know, he or she is coming and it's going to happen. You know, I, I see more and more of like other minorities coming into the NBA in different roles. It, it's going to happen. It's also a process because there's a lot of kids growing up in Canada that I, I know personally that want to play in the NBA. One of them got to make it. You know, it's going to take some time. But it's going to happen. Yep, it's going to yep. happen. You know, it, there's it's going to happen. We're also growing up in the same systems as the other ex-NBA players that have made it to this. It's going to happen. It's going to take some time, but it's going to happen. It's, you know, it, and it's not easy. A lot of people overlook me for because uh, even players, you know, they look at me and say, I've never, I'm not used to seeing a coach hmm. who's brown. You know, I'm, I'm seeing a coach, a, you know, like there's like a, a, a way they identify, but you know, like it's going to change and it comes with you know, if you're good at what you do, then the right people will take notice. And that's what you need to focus on, you know, but um, it's going to happen. I know there's a lot of basketball players coming up that are from our communities. Um, and I'm used to it, man. Like I was an undersized brown Pakistani kid trying to play basketball with all these great players. And they all made fun of me. I've been made fun of. I've, you know, been overlooked. I'm so used to being overlooked that I actually am numb to it. Like people even now probably look at me and say, who are you? And the truth is, yeah, they're right. Who am I? Like, what have I done as a basketball? I've never coached for 20 years like a lot of these guys have. I've never played basketball at the pro level. So my path is completely different, right? They, they, they grew up around the game, game of basketball their whole life. They have credibility. 
But my credibility comes from my path, and I think the same goes for everybody else. Like, I'm a Pakistani kid who couldn't speak English, who couldn't do this, who couldn't do that, came here, picked up basketball at the age of 16, made, made, a, made the team as a walk-on. I know my story, you know, and I'm proud of everything that has happened, uh, but it, it was not because I'm trying to um, pursue anything. It was The only thing I pursued was, like, improve as a human being and improve as a basketball person or player or coach. And that's all I focus on. And I don't care. I don't see color. I don't see this. I don't see that. But I think other people do. And it doesn't bother me, you know, because I'm so used to, uh, like, I've, I've been through that, you know. And as a player, it really, really affected me. But as a, at this stage in my life, I've grown older, I care less about what people think. And I think sometimes you get caught up with, oh, I'm brown, I'm never going to make it. Oh, I'm 5'7", I'm not going to make it. I think those are things you're telling yourself, you know, and I think we have to get out of that too. And I'm telling you guys again, there's a brown kid that's coming and that's going to make a change for a lot of the other brown kids around the, around the, around the world. And it's not just brown kids, it's other minorities, whether you're from China, Philippines, wh whatever, whatever it is, where you come from, you know, like I strongly believe that, you know, and uh, it's going to happen. Absolutely. And it's a fast growing sport. It's a very global sport. And, you know, the GTA is extremely diverse. So it's inevitable before we see the next big superstar. So, you know, Urslan, thank you for sharing your insight. I really enjoyed this conversation. And you know what? We would love to have you back sometime and in five years when, when you know, you become even a better coach. And we wish you all the best. And this was fantastic, my friend. Thank you, Daniel. Nice meeting you, man. And uh, Absolutely. No problems at all. So this concludes another edition of MaxCast the podcast where we talk about Muslims leaving a positive footprint in the community and elevating the brand. Until next time, my name is Daniel Sardar. Assalamu alaikum, everyone.